Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Diana. And you're listening to Fiction Kitchen. This is a brand new podcast where we're discussing our favorite books, movies, and TV series, and especially how they relate to food. For our first episode, we're going to be talking about HBO's Game of Thrones and George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series. But because this is our first episode, we need to introduce ourselves. So Carrie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and if you have a sweet tooth or savory and some of your favorite things. Okay, um, well, let's see. I'm married and I have two kids. I have a um, six-year-old little girl and a 15-month-old boy. Um, I'm a web designer and I have a food blog at witchy-kitchen.com. And let's see, as far as sweet or savory tooth, um, mostly a savory tooth, except for about like, you know, I don't know, a few days a month. (laughs) We're definitely a sweet tooth. Let's see, as far as books go, I like historical fiction or um, fiction with a strong cultural context. I like reading books from around the world or books about immigrants here in America. Um, I haven't read a whole lot of fantasy, but I did read um, A Song of Ice and Fire, and I loved it so much that I'm really wanting to get more into that. So I hope um, I can get some good recommendations about good books to read. Um, As far as movies go, I like independent movies or um, movies that are kind of dark or quirky. I like um, Tarantino films and Sofia Coppola movies. And um, as far as TV shows go, I love Game of Thrones. And I feel like there's so much good stuff out right now. I've been like binge watching a bunch of shows after they're over, (laughs) like like, um, Breaking Bad and Mad Men. And um, my favorite show of all time is Buffy. Woohoo! Yay! (laughs) So how about you? Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself and whether you have a savory or sweet tooth and a little bit of the stuff you're into. Well, I am an Air Force wife and a mom to one little girl. And yeah, sweet or savory, I think I lean more towards savory, but it usually ends up being this terrible but yummy cycle of if I eat something savory, I'm going to want something sweet afterwards and vice versa. So... There we go. It's dangerous. (laughs) Uh, For books, I love youth books and like young adult or middle grade or even picture books. I I love it. Um, And I tend to lean more towards fantasy. Um, Some of my all-time favorites, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis uh, and The NeverEnding Story by Michael End, which a lot of people know The NeverEnding Story as the awesome 80s movie, but that was based on this novel uh, written by Michael End, who's a German author. Uh, And I also love uh, a book called Brave Story. It's like a brick of a book. Uh, It's written by a Japanese lady, Miyuki Miyabe, and it's very beautiful. I love Diana Wynne-Jones books. And as a kid, I loved the Brian Jakes series, Redwall. So yeah, I love a ton of books. (laughs) I could go on forever. Um, But TV shows and movies, TV shows, I love Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, and I, mostly I love like what would be considered like kid stuff, but it's for all ages. <laughs> I love Adventure Time, and Gravity Falls, I love Doctor Who on BBC and Sherlock, BBC Sherlock. Oh, um, Sherlock's good stuff. Yeah, totally. And as a kid, I don't know if you, do you remember Voltron? I, <laughs> yes, but I didn't really watch that. <laughs> I love that as a kid. Peter, Peter Cullen's voice, was, and he was also in Transformers. Anyway, oh, okay. Peter Cullen's voice, <laughs> and then Turtle, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters. Um, my favorite movies, got to go with The Fifth Element by Luke Besson. 
Um, I just think that's a fun ride. Uh, and then I love Studio Ghibli films like Ponyo and Spirited Away and My Neighbor Totoro. Um, and yes, I want to throw those too. Yeah, I want to throw in a um, couple of video games too. I love Nino Kuni, which is also um, done in part by Studio Ghibli, and then Legend of Zelda, Nintendo's Legend of Zelda games. I love those. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> I could go on forever. I'm sure we both could about all our favorite things. Yeah, and I think but, we plan to over the course of this yes. know, podcast. It's, it's all gonna come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, I, I think that gives like a little bit of a taste of a little bit of a taste of what we have mm-hmm. planned. Um, you know, we've got some classics, we've got some pop culture, some childhood favorites, and some new series. Um, mm-hmm. But let's jump into our first one, which is Game of Thrones. Woo! Um, so for anyone listening, I, I want to say that this is going to be spoiler free ish. Um, but, but, yeah, so, you know, try not to give away any major plot points, but, you know, we may slip a little here and there as it relates to the food, so, um, proceed Mm -hmm. at your own risk. (laughs) Yeah. So, so how about, how about you, how'd you get into Game of Thrones, and, um, what are your impressions of it? Because I know you got into it pretty recently, so I want to know what you think. (laughs) Yeah, well, so, a lot of people that I know, friends and acquaintances, um, they, they have watched Game of Thrones since day one. And then they love it. And so I've always been curious. Um, so I finally started watching it um, just a, yeah, a short while ago. And yeah, I, I binge watched it all. <laughs> That's um, the best way, though. I know, right? And How then, can you and keep track otherwise? Of what is going on? You're in a daze yeah. afterwards. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> is this the real world or what's going, what's going on? Yeah, so, so I watched big chunks of it. Um, and it, yeah, I think it's a super great show. Um, it's definitely a lot of blood and boobs, which yeah, <laughs> I, I tend to not watch shows like that. And sometimes I'll like fast forward through some of the sex scenes. I'm like, what? Seriously? That doesn't need to be in there. And like, and oh, then... you don't watch them two or three times? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> but yeah, so blood and boobs is my impression of the show, and then and then food, lots of food, and really awesome acting and characters, and I love the yeah the scenery, the backgrounds. It's a super well done show. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite characters? I don't have any like one favorite, but I there are characters that I enjoy most of the time. <laughs> it's kind of cool because a lot of the characters, like, they have points that you can like, and then they have points that you can super not like. Yeah. <laughs> so they're very rounded. Like, there aren't a whole lot of black and white characters. They're, all, yeah. you know, they're all gray. You know, they have mm-hmm. they have flaws. So the one that comes to mind is Tyrion. I really like his character because he's just, I wouldn't say, like, he's zen about things, but I mean, like, he knows who he is. He knows his limitations. And he kind of doesn't sweat the small stuff. I mean, stuff gets to him, but he he has a, mech- a mechanism, yeah, where he, like, has learned to deal with it and, like, turn, I don't know. Well, and then, like, drink a lot and go to the brothel or something. But, I mean, <laughs> but he, I think he's a really cool guy. Um, and then Brienne, she's a really, really great character. It's just, it's nice to see uh, a I would say strong female character, but that's kind of, I feel like it's kind of cliche to say strong female type. But I mean, she's, she's literally like strong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's big and strong and she learned to sword fight because she wanted to. And, you know, her, her dad finally let her because he must be a cool guy. I'd like to meet him. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then I like Arya. 
because she's a little spitfire and you know has gone her own way and and I also liked the I can't remember their names now but the the water dance instructor and oh, the, the face, yeah and the faceless assassin guy like the Jack and Hagar both, <laughs> yeah they're both from Bravo so I was like those dudes are cool so, yeah so, those are the guys, people that I like <laughs> very nice very cool so how about you um let's see well I I got into it after a couple of seasons had already aired and it was like the season two finale was going on I think and I'm like what is this thing that everyone's tweeting about (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had heard about it but I had like resisted it for a long time because you know I hadn't really been into fantasy that much but like you know once I started watching it I was like oh you know there's um you know there's a little bit of like you know magic and dragons going on but really it's just like a um character-driven political story and mm-hmm. um i love medieval stuff and so i got really into that and you know like you said the characters are just so interesting and intriguing i guess as far as my favorite characters um definitely in the first book and the first season um daenerys was my favorite by far like i think her story was really interesting like she had a um started off very weak and then really came into her own Um, And I also related to her a lot because, um, like, she married outside of her culture, and so she had a lot to to learn, you know, as far as, like, food and dress and language and customs, you know, so I related to that a lot. But overall, I think one of my favorite characters is an unpopular one. I love, um, I love Littlefinger. (laughs) (laughs) No! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know, like, there's a a lot of hate for Littlefinger, and it's all justified, but, like, I don't know, I have a thing for geeky assholes, basically. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I just think he's very smart, and he's very ambitious, but he has, like, um, like a very intriguing and creepy romantic side, yeah. <laughs> which I just think is really interesting, and I really, um, I really enjoy it in the story. I mean, official stance, wrong, 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 but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it is inter- intriguing, yeah. As far as the story yeah, goes, yeah, follow. I think it's yeah. really interesting. Um, so I guess as far as food goes, there is a ton, a ton of food, like more, Super more, ton, more yeah. than any book I think I've read. Like, food's mentioned all the time. And even in the show, like, I mean, it comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think that has a lot to do with building such, like, an interesting world and really fleshing it out and showing, like, you know, different regions have different, you know, cuisines and... I don't know. It just adds it adds a lot to the to the setting. It gives a richness to it and mm-hmm. depth. Yeah, and it's cool because yeah, in books and in film, yeah, food can reflect the environment and culture and the economy. Mm-hmm. That's seen a lot in Game of Thrones. Like the means that people have, like the rich can afford all the fancy fruits and stuff, and then the poor people get the the brown stuff <laughs> yeah and it's yeah especially in king's landing like it's really the juxtaposition of like these is very extreme, yeah the people yeah. in the in the palace are eating like i don't know it's like ridiculously decadent that they have to like mm-hmm. throw out all this food and then the people around them in the slums and like flea bottom <laughs> yeah, are yeah starving. Are yeah yeah and it's also cool because food food can illustrate a person's character too and like what what type of personality they have or like their propensities for what what they eat and stuff mm-hmm. can you can tell a lot yeah and then i think game of thrones does that with its food yeah definitely 
So even though it's a fantasy world, Westeros and Essos kind of roughly correspond to, to regions in medieval Europe and northern Africa and even into like the Middle East and Asia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think George R. R. Martin said that it's like the general assumption that it's like pre-American discovery in Europe, so like the 1400s and before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, it's a fantasy world, so you can kind of throw in whatever, like you don't have to be strict to... <laughs> how it was in the real world they can like throw in a turkey or some pumpkins or something yeah or potatoes (laughs) or potatoes (laughs) or peppers yeah they have fiery peppers and dorn yeah Yeah. um yeah so you've got like the north which is um you know up beyond the wall down to winterfell and that's kind of like english and germanic um Mm -hmm. you've got pike and the iron islands um which they're kind of like the vikings then you go down to the south, you've got the Riverlands and um, King's Landing, and I think that's kind of like France, mm-hmm. you know, and, and especially like in King's Landing, you know, it seems really refined. And then, you know, it's, it's southern, so they have a lot more fruits and stuff like that. And then down into Dorne, which is kind of like Spain, um, and into North Africa, and then es- Essos, which is kind of like the Middle East and on into Asia, like the mm-hmm. spice route. So they have, like, a lot of spices and bazaars where they're trading a bunch of stuff. So, yeah, I guess, like, that's the general the general setting. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, we can maybe delve right into a worldwide accepted practice, the salt rite or the guest rite. Yeah, that was a huge part of the story. And I think, yeah, you did some reading into this and found out some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, well, when, when Bran was telling the story about the rat cook... I was like, hey, I've heard, you know, something similar before because I love folklore and mythology. And uh, it's actually uh, very similar to some Greek myths. Uh, so the story of the rat cook, as, as Bran tells it, is that uh, there, this person hosts uh, a king and his son, um, but the, the host kills the son and feeds it to his guest. Um and then and and he then he was turned into a rat. That's why the story is called the Rat Cook. Um, so he was punished for not murder, um, not murdering the son, not um, f- you know feeding, not for cannibalism or anything, but for the fact that he did harm to someone under his roof. Yeah. And so yeah, so that's what the so cannibalism so the, okay. Inhospitable, yeah. <laughs> Mur- okay. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bad. Being a jerk in your, yeah. Yeah, to your guests. <laughs> so. Yeah, so the so the guest right or salt right is is basically it goes both ways that um, it's like mutual abstinence of foul play between the guest and the host, um, and and this is yeah, regardless of culture or religion and. In the world of Game of Thrones, it's it's supposed to be you know a an accepted or an, an understood thing. Yeah, um, like there's all kinds of people, but but everyone mm-hmm. kind of generally accepts this and knows that, that it's like a grave you know um, misstep to not to not respect yeah. that. And so in Greek mythology, um, it's there are some stories about Tantalus who fed. Um, fed his son to the gods and also the house of Atreus and Procne. So those are are things that you guys can look up. But yeah, it's it's basically, it's Greek mythology um, about the same same thing that was like the rat cook story. So I'm assuming maybe that's where Martin 
you know, pick, picked it up from. Yeah. And definitely the part about angering the gods, too, because I think that was a, mm-hmm. a big thing. Like, like you can do this, and you might be okay today, but there's going to be consequences. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or at least it's generally believed, you know, and whether that came to pass or not, you know, is up for debate. But, yeah. yeah. And it is really interesting because, I mean, we know... I guess this might be kind of spoilerish, but the the Red Wedding episodes that the salt rate played a prominent role. Um, but also throughout, I've noticed throughout the show, it's alluded to or mentioned, kind of you know on the side, um, you know about the the practice of the salt rate or guest rate. Um, and then I and then I discovered that if someone doesn't want to accept it, they they lay their sword across their lap and that symbolizes that they're like the host for example is not going to promise to to you know not harm his his guest or he doesn't want the his enemy to be his guest you know or so, so that type of thing yeah so put the sword so across the lap no means, promises <laughs> no yeah no promises <laughs> no that's really interesting that you brought that up because you know of course like with the red wedding it's it's a big deal but then there are like like you were mentioning like when when Tyrion comes back to Winterfell after being at the Wall, and um, Rob lays his sword across. So basically, he's like, okay, but you know, we're not welcoming you here because we have suspicions that you did this and this and this. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, I I didn't even notice that till you had mentioned that, but that's a really good point that it's coming up again and again, not just at this one time. Yeah. And also, um, when the hounds and Arya are out, you know, out in the the countryside, um, and the father and daughter take them in, um, and then the hound is a, is a jerk, and the, <laughs> and Arya's like, "What? They invited us in," and he's like, uh, "Nobody cares about." And he makes a comment that like the the guest right is like old school. So I guess some people are a little bit looser on it than others yeah i guess <laughs> but yeah. i think just the hound though i like you know because you get the feeling that it's like it's that really a, yeah really a big deal to everyone else but he is just kind of like i don't know rebel he's such a rebel yeah <laughs> but and, and a nihilist basically yeah. and just a jerk like he said yeah um but it is it's also called um like why is it bread and salt uh, and and it's neat to to realize that salt, like all over the world, in in the real world, is a symbol of purity. Mm-hmm. Like in all culture, well, in a lot of cultures and a lot of religions, um, and also specifically pairing it with bread uh, shows like hospitality and good faith, and and among other you know positive symbols symbolism. But yeah, and so it's cool because it is it's a real world practice, the mm-hmm. bread and salt that made its way into work of fiction so yeah no, that's super interesting i think you had noticed some things about the um the food styling in the show and and found yeah. some some interesting like videos about that yeah and, and we'll put those uh on our website um but yeah karen booth she's the food stylist for the show and she has a team that helps her uh but then also richard roberts he's a set decorator and he's responsible for like making prop food so a lot of the food in the show, it's some of it's prop food, and then some of it is uh, real food, or real or the real food is made first, and then the props are like fashioned after it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so a ton of work goes into that from 
uh, from Karen Booth and Richard Roberts. Uh, but specifically, like, uh, one of the examples was a Castle Black. They're, I mean, it's so sad up there. Like, they have no funding and, like, hardly get any new troops and... Like, it's just so... Yeah, just super bleak <laughs> and depressing. Yeah. yeah. And so, well, you were saying in the in the book, their food doesn't sound so bad, but in the show, it's Oh, like, well, I mean, th- there were some, some good things mentioned um, yeah. up there, but I think, yeah, in general, that's the case. And especially, you know, mm-hmm. as, as the books get on, like... Cause it gets more... More and more so, because, yeah. you know, the whole war is going on in Westeros, and no one really cares about what's going on up there. So I know, that's they're, important. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, hey, guys, zombies. So... <laughs> Please. Yeah. So, yeah, mostly yeah. they have, the like, hard bread and stew, but for the show, um, like, they didn't... The sh- for the show, because it's, you know, a visual thing, they w- wanted to... Um, not make the stew look good because stew that sounds kind of good you know it's winter yeah. it's like it's cold nice outside. and warm <laughs> but no sorry guys it's like gray gloopy yucky stuff like yeah they said it... they mixed yeah food coloring and flour flour yeah. into it yeah just to make it like look really unappetizing and yeah, yeah, like the just... depravity of <laughs> their situation. But but apparently it tasted okay to the actors. Th- thank goodness. Yeah, so it tastes fine. <laughs> but, but it looked but... blur. Yeah. Yeah. But which is in stark contrast to, um, you know, down in King's Landing, which where everything looks amazing. They have fruit, yeah. they have like gold and eggs and like peacock mm-hmm. plumes and everything. Super extravagant. Yeah. yeah. Just. Um, yeah, I think part of this video they were talking about like what they had done for the um, for the purple wedding, <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah, they had they had food sitting out, and but also like what they ha- how they had to care for it because it was sitting out all week, so they had to like mm-hmm. varnish it and make sure it could stand up to the sun and <laughs> <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> so. And of course, the actors are like seeing all this wonderful looking food, but it's you know they can't they can't eat it because it's for the set. <laughs> And so, yeah, I think Karen Karen Booth said that she made like little little tiny pot pies or like li- little yummies for the actors to eat off yeah. stage, which is really yeah really nice. Yeah, and so we'll, well to that point too, like the the purple wedding in the book too, it's like one of the most striking feasts. There's like seventy seven courses, you know, to honor mm-hmm. the seven gods of Westeros. And um, so there's just course after course after course at, at the wedding, including the giant pie. <laughs> uh, yeah, that thing. Those poor little birds. Yes. <laughs> Joffrey. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah, King's Landing, they are super extravagant. And it's interesting because in Winterfell, like they're, they're noble, but because of their environment, there isn't a lot to to get so they have mostly like game from hunting and bread and root vegetables and and they're not they're not as rich of course as the lannisters down in king's landing so they can't import a lot of the things that the that they can in king's landing so yeah yeah um our very first um game of thrones potluck we did was winterfell and um, I think our main our main dish was roast oryx, <laughs> with um, with carrots and leeks, and we had turnips, we had beets, we had like some citrus fruit to to brighten the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was like a really good meal. <laughs> 
our Winterfell feast. Yeah, so they could get, I think in the show, they also show that there's some fruits, but just a little bit. Because Sansa, she obviously has had, she had lemon cakes before. I mean, so they must have been able to maybe once every once in a while yeah <laughs> maybe like one, once a year I think, no, yeah. just <laughs> I don't know. no but i think like like eating things like that kind of shows her class as well like i, I want to yeah. talk a, a little bit more about the lemon cakes yeah we'll later, talk about more of that because that's what i made for my recipe <laughs> i know <laughs> the lemon cakes but no that definitely shows their class because they had to import the the lemons mm-hmm. yeah so i guess i want to talk a little bit about the the potlucks that we've had um because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, my sister's are also like super into this and um my one sister got um the other one and me the in at the crossroads cookbook for christmas one year <laughs> and so we've been cooking out of it ever since and we've been kind of like bouncing around um to each other's houses with our friends and um cooking through the regions so we've done winterfell we've done the riverlands we've done across the narrow sea that one was at our house and it was really good (laughs) Mm. and let's see we've also done beyond the wall and king's landing and so um yeah so i guess as as we get into the food i want to mention that there is a wonderful blog called in at the crossroads Mm mm-hmm and they have basically gone through every single mention of food in the book and done the research to find a medieval recipe that goes with that and cooked it up and put it for the rest of us to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it's super impressive. Yeah, and yeah. I yeah, I love it so much and they're they're um yeah, their cookbook's fantastic and so we've been cooking out of it. So I'm I much recommend that. And that's that's an official Game of Thrones cookbook, right? Like mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of unofficial yes, books jo- out. George R. R. Martin yeah. wrote the foreword of it, <laughs> so yeah, so it's, yeah, it's that's official. As, yeah. That's about as official as it gets. Yeah, I think they cooked him dinner or something at some nice. book signer signing or whatever. Yeah, so <laughs> and the it's author supported is it Chelsea Monroe Cassell? Mm-hmm. Is that I don't know if I'm saying that right, but yeah. Yes, and oh, is is Chel and um Sarian, I forgot her last name. So yeah, we'll we'll look okay. that up and we'll put it in the show notes but for yeah, sure. Because feast of ice and fire. Yeah, yeah, so if you're gonna cook from this, um, you should check that out. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yeah, it was kind of fun to like experience the regions because we did cook some from those recipes but then we also kind of just took the flavor of the region like when we did our Mm -hmm. um at our house we did the across the narrow sea and so we did um recipes from there that were um, mentioned directly but also just like a bunch of like greek recipes and north african recipes and just kind of Mm. you know yeah just taking the flavor of the region basically yeah yeah so i want to know did you guys make any bowls of brown They do have a recipe for the bowls of brown, but that wasn't the most appetizing sounding thing. So I have not actually rightly so. I have not actually tried that yet. (laughs) But if I if I fall on hard times or get really desperate, then I I know like where I can go to get a good recipe. Yeah. (laughs) So we've talked some about King's Landing. Um, So I wanted to mention it was interesting. Um, So High Garden. In the Reach, um, that that place is. I mean, we know like ro- the rose is their emblem. Yes. Um, but also, it's a super agricultural area, which is why they call it High Garden. Yeah. <laughs> so they must export a lot of produce, you know. So they probably. 
I, I was thinking as I was watching the show, like all there's all this, yeah, politics and battles and intrigue and all this. And I'm like, so what's happening with imports and exports? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Doran is like the only place you can get lemons. So if you mess with them, they're going to X the lemon. Like Lannisters, sorry, you can't have any more lemons. <laughs> yeah. And there's <laughs> the whole jakes. the whole fact that yeah. um, winter is coming. And so <laughs> they're trying mm-hmm. to stock up on um, on food and grain and that type of thing to to get them through the winter Mm -hmm. so going back to dorn is yeah so they they're like the citrus people so they've got all the lemons and citrus fruits and then some really awesome wine right that's oh yeah (laughs) spices dornish red (laughs) arbor gold yeah Mm -hmm. which is it's interesting because yeah like oberon and his lady friend like they're they kind of have those kind of personalities like passionate and spicy so like <laughs> the culture and the food it seems like yeah it reflects the even the personalities right. of the of the people right it yeah. definitely fits um yeah one one region that i think is pretty interesting is the um the iron islands they're they're kind of modeled on the vikings mm-hmm. and so um you know since they are the islands i think their food is like a lot of seafood and then mm-hmm. they're um their house words are we do not sow. <laughs> so <laughs> So they don't have a lot of produce up there. Yeah, <laughs> only what only <laughs> only what they can pillage. Yeah. <laughs> fish and iron skillets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well let's go over to to Isos. Let's go let's go east. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you've got the Dothraki <laughs> down there. Yeah. And they yeah, yeah and they have what? yeah. <laughs> And they have some some interesting, I guess, culinary. <laughs> yeah, with your potlucks, did you do did you do raw horse heart at all? Is that um, <laughs> no? Yeah, rotisserie horse heart. Maybe, any, maybe. any pregnant ladies give them? Yeah, and I think you know what? I think I actually was pregnant when we had our our potluck. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, it's, but, and with but, your son, right? Yes, so he, the, he stallion, might... the stallion that mounts the world. <laughs> yeah, watch out. <laughs> yeah, but no, I did not eat any horse heart. I don't know if I could have stomached yeah. that. So I have had horse meat, not heart, <laughs> but I, I have had horse meat before. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I have not, unless it was by accident at Ikea. <laughs> but... <laughs> But no, what was that like? Horse, horse meat. Um, so in college, I took a few semesters of Tongan language. And in the Pacific, it's it's not uncommon to eat horse. Actually, in a lot of places in the world, it's not a crazy thing to eat. Yeah, like in Europe, um, I think it's not that big yeah, a deal. Europe Yeah, Europe and Asia and, yeah, and the South Pacific. Um, it's a it's pretty common. Uh, it's only, like in America, there we've made horses pets and... Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like oh, what? <laughs> but but no. So I did eat some. It was uh, shredded horse meat, and it was cooked in like coconut milk, coconut cream, and it was good. I enjoyed it. I can't. It was years ago, so I can't remember exactly like you know the 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 exact flavor. But I I remember that I enjoyed it, and yeah. <laughs> No, that's pretty interesting. I think I would try it. That's the thing I would eat all the time. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you fit right in with the Dothraki. Then you can introduce them to coconut yeah. cream. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, they need some. They need some of that. But yeah, it is kind of cool because um, I think you were saying yeah, they're, they're like nomadic people mm-hmm. and 
Um, and what what culture were you saying that they're? Yeah, I think they're based on the Mongolians. Mm-hmm. So yeah, which are like the the horse people, yeah. and so yeah, they're nomadic and they travel around. And um, yeah, so I guess that's kind of where their culture is based on, and probably some of their food mm-hmm. too. Although I don't know, I don't know too much about Mongolian culture, so I wonder like what kind of um, yeah parallels there are. Well, in a lot of like ancient cultures, they're their animals like their beasts of burden or like their mm-hmm. their everyday animals were also food source because yeah especially for nomadic people it's like it just makes sense right you you can't like farm and herd animals and yeah i mean and so they've got horses and i guess whenever one one gets like sick or weaker yeah. or something like that you know that would be a good thing and it's not wasteful exactly yeah and then Especially, we see in the Dothraki culture that horses have religious significance. So to ingest an animal that has religious symbolism, you know, like how she, why she ate the horse heart. Right. You, you can eat it and, uh, and absorb its power. <laughs> yeah, like it's very symbolic and, and respectful, too. So that's, that's a pretty cool take on, on those ideas. Yeah, so well, let's get into our recipes because mm-hmm. we made a couple things. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the lemon cakes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, I've cooked lots of food from Game of Thrones, but I had never made lemon cakes, which I kind of feel is like the most <laughs> iconic food <laughs> from the story. I mean, it's mentioned so much in the books and like even several times in the TV show, mm-hmm. and um, like um, it's it's Sansa Stark's favorite treat i guess but i think it says so much about her character because they're sweet just like her nature she's such an innocent character so she you know she loves sweets just like a kid does Mm -hmm. but you see like as she starts to grow and kind of get more upset by the things that are happening to her she refuses them they also kind of represent her class like i said before because you know not just anybody can be eating lemons all the time (laughs) so you know only the classes that um can afford to you know import the lemons or whatever can make these things so yeah so there are lots of lemon cake recipes out there um and at the crossroads has a a couple actually and hbo put out an official recipe which i think is based on a tom calicchio recipe and so all these i've actually tried the ones from in at the crossroads my friend made them and they were really tasty and the one on hbo looks it looks really good but it looks nothing like what I had envisioned in my head, <laughs> you know, because I think like the um, the HBO recipe, they made them in ramekins and they seem almost like kind of light and fluffy and almost custardy. But what I had in my mind when I was reading the books is that they were more like a little tea cake. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I had in mind, something like really dense and sweet and super lemony. And so that's what I made. I, I tried a couple different times. And so I finally came up with, I think, what I think is, you know, a good recipe. I made them in little mini muffin pans and only rose them just a little bit. I cooked them at super low heat so that I could flip them over and make them look like a cake. And then I just sprinkled them with powdered sugar and put a dollop of lemon curd on them. And they were really good. One thing too that I looked up a bunch of medieval recipes for cakes and a lot of them feature rose water mm-hmm. as a flavoring, which I think I, I cannot pass up an opportunity to use rose water. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually put that in my lemon cakes because I think like lemon goes really well with floral scents. Mm-hmm. 
And I also thought this was kind of symbolic of the story, too, because roses, like you mentioned earlier, are the symbol of, um, or the sigil of House Tyrell, which is, you know, a house that is actually nice to Sansa. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the high, high garden peeps, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I thought that kind of fit in. So I was really happy with how my lemon cakes turned out. So I will share it in the show notes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. So how about you? You made wolf bread. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so excited about your wolf bread. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Like, like you were saying, you went through a few different, um, a few different times to get, you know, you made the recipe to get it just right. So yeah, with the wolf bread, I went, I went through several different, um, <laughs> experimental versions of it. As did hot pie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I did the, the wolf bread 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> not, that, but my first attempt did spread out, like did kind of look like hot pie's first wolf bread. <laughs> I didn't mean for two, but that's why, that's why I went through many takes. But yeah, a hot pie. We, earlier we were talking about characters that we like. I do like hot pie, but you know he's not in it very, very much. But he's, I think he's a cool no, dude. He's one of those like, you no, know, he's one of yeah. those like great and memorable, memorable <laughs> minor characters. Because he talks about food. That's why we love yes. him. Yes. <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah, I feel like kind of a kindred spirit with him. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I think it's really cool because, yeah, his first attempt was kind of wonky looking, and Arya was like, um, what's the, where's the head? <laughs> like, but then he, yeah, he cares enough to try again. And like, I mean, he doesn't know if he'll ever see her again, which is interesting, but he goes to the effort to perfect this wolf bread. And so I, I went through, and like, I took some screen captures and you know because I wanted to make it look just right and I noticed you were saying symbolism of rose water um in your lemon cakes and I noticed I think it looks like an s on the wolf's tail and so Ah. I mean you you guys can (laughs) make make your own (laughs) conclusions about that but I've and you know and so s for the house of Stark um yeah definitely hot pie you are sneaky and cool yeah, putting some messages in yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so for the ingredients, I used dark rye and put in some molasses as well because those are uh, ingredients that that they would have had back in medieval time. Yeah, rye was very common in the with the country folk, and and so it's a dense bread. Uh, it's almost like shortbread, but I also wanted to make it something that would travel well. Uh, because he in season four when when he give he gives the wolf bread to uh, Brienne and Podrick to, he's like if you see Arya like they didn't even know she was still alive but he's like oh yeah she's totally still alive and hey give her this wolf bread and so I, you know it needed to be something that could travel well and so I, yeah. I think this could do so <laughs> um, and I made a template for it and we'll we'll put that on the website. But yeah, and I counted like how many zigzags and how many like cross hatches and stuff. So oh, wow. <laughs> I tried to make it super accurate. Yeah, super detailed. <laughs> but nice. but that's the thing I want to know. Like the wolf bread is so cool, and I want to know what happened to it. <laughs> yeah. Am I the only one who wants to like? What's it? <laughs> who who ate that, Podrick? Did you eat that? Like, because Arya didn't get spoilers. <laughs> Arya didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Spoiler, Brienne was too busy eating ears. I know. So. Had that taste. Cannibalism is a big thing on the show. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know, I don't think the wolf bread made it, but it, I mean, it's the thought that counts. I think Podrick was <laughs> so. off screen and he ate it while Brienne was like fighting with them. Yeah, he didn't want it to go to waste. Yeah, if they wanted, if they wanted Arya to come with them, they should have just said, Arya, we have some bread from Hot Pie. <laughs> she could have poked her head up from a rock and been like, oh, all right, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Well, I don't know. She wasn't too impressed with it the first time. That's <laughs> so. true. Well, she said it was good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would have solved all no, their problems. But, yeah. But no, I mean, that was such a nice, like, heartfelt gift. Yeah. I hope we see Hot Pie again. I do, too. I mean, hopefully he's out of danger and, you know, he's just, like, happily baking away. Yeah, and just sit, <laughs> randomly sitting down with people and telling them about his, was his kidney pies? Was it? Yes. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> you cannot give up on the gravy. <laughs> it's all about the gravy. I'm like, I know, I know hot pie. That's true. <laughs> well, all right. I guess we can wrap it up here. You can find us, and we're going to be putting all the links to stuff we talked about, as well as our recipes, on our website at fictionkitchenpodcast.com. And we love your feedback, so you can email us at fictionkitchenpodcast at gmail.com. So it was really fun talking to you, Diana, and I'm really looking forward to our next episode. Thanks, Carrie, and thanks for listening, everybody. Check back soon. Bye! Bye!